Today's episode of Foment About It has been brought to you by Underground Meats, undergroundmeats.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good evening and welcome to a very special edition of Fomen About, About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. So we are celebrating New York City and New York State beer this week with New York City Beer Week. We're in day four and we've, we've recorded some very special interviews for you. So enjoy. Hi, this is Chris Kuzmi. And Mary Isaac. From Fomen About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are here at the opening bash of New York City Beer Week uh, 2015 with Paul Leone, the executive director of the New York, New York State, State Brewers Association. Right on. Thank you for being here, Paul, and sure. thank you for supporting and, and, and all the things that you do. Thanks for, for having New me. York State. So let's talk about what is the executive director of the New York State Brewers Association. Okay, so the New York State Brewers Association was founded in 2003. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of uh, brewers associations. There's now 51, if you include D.C. Uh, and so what's happening with, with the growth of craft beer is that they're finding that uh, associations and guilds are generally run by brewers and that they just, they're too busy brewing. As you know, I mean, it's just, it's a busy job. So they have to find somebody to work full time. So they hire executive directors. So I was the first executive director hired back in 2013 for New York State. Uh, and at that time, there were 13 of us, and now there are 26 of us around the the country that are working full-time. And basically our job is to really help with the growth of, of the craft beer scene, whether it's legislatively or, um, you know, promotion, um, you know, raising or, money. Organizing events. Organizing right? events, yeah, that, which is our primary way of raising money. Uh, and just working with local governments to help craft beer continue the growth that it's doing uh, sustainably, um, economically, and, and make sure that the beer is still good. So I feel like New York State is... One of the most craft beer friendly states in the country at this point. I mean, there's been a lot of legislative changes. We're thriving as a state. How many breweries are currently in New York State? So when I started in 2013, there were 135. And as of December of 2014, there were 190. So we're going to hit, you know, probably 200 It's you know, by early 2015. Um, you know, a great stat that I love is that before Prohibition, there were 350 breweries in the state of New York with a population of 5 million people. Um, now, you know, we're at 190 with a population of 20 million people. So, you know, that there's plenty of room for growth even to double the size of growth and still be sustainable the, the key is is that the quality stay good yeah. uh, as long as the quality stays up you know i always say people to people think about the the generations of people that are drinking craft beer today and it's generally you know the largest growing demographic is millennials and um, followed closely by gen xers so that's you know 21 to, to 40 uh, and, and then you know of course we go to as you know um you know 60 70 year olds will drink craft beer oh, yeah. so but the millennials you know you think about it there when i was younger we drank what, what your father drank you know i drank my share of macro beer budweiser i drank a ton of it you know and it was a good beer at that time so my kids, I drink craft beer, will we'll be craft beer drinkers, and that's what we're seeing with the millennials. So they're educated. When they get into the market, 
they know what an IPA tastes like, they know what a porter tastes like, they know what styles taste like. So if you brew a bad beer, they're going to know it. And that's a big thing. So being a part of New York and New York State craft beer, you know, for us, we really want New Yorkers to drink craft beer. So we don't think New Yorkers do as much. You know, they don't think craft beer first uh, as far as, like, I'm going to drink my local beer. So we're very lucky to be working with an ad agency in New York City called BBDO. And BBDO is helping us with what's called a Think New York, Drink New York campaign. And Think New York, Drink New York is something that we've trademarked because we want New Yorkers, you know, think about what you guys are doing. If your beer is on tap, we want them to walk in and say, you know what, what's the local beer first? Try something else. You know, they're going to try other things, but what's the local beer first? And BBDO is helping us with this. Awesome. So... Speaking of BBD, yeah, so, so I'm actually um, Danielle Willett. I'm the account director on this project right now. So we are very excited to be working with the New York State Brewers Association and Empire State Development. Um, Governor Cuomo is a huge supporter of this industry and really is trying to, you know, drive this business. And the the real goal here is to um, get the awareness levels up because right now it's just sort of like people. People, it's kind of like out west is sort of known for their craft beer, and we just need to grow that here. Um, and so, as Paul said, that's kind of the um, objective behind this campaign. So, right now, we're using a bunch of influencers, um, so really influential people in social media to so try to bloggers, so bloggers and and, um, and Instagrammers and some YouTube talent we're we're working with, um, just so that we can really kind of tap into their social network and get all of their followers to understand that, like. New York State has really quality craft. Yeah, beers. and those are the people that understand kind of the local New York yeah. State beer scene the best. Right, and it's sort of like yeah, it's a little bit more grassroots, which is mm-hmm. sort of authentic, which is exactly like the craft behind it is so important. And so that's kind of what we identified as sort of our target. You know, like Paul said, it's our it's the millennials, and these people often, um, you know, it's sort of like has the the food and wine, and they're often into. Um, the, the craft spirits, and we also noticed that like they like comedies. We have actually this um, company called Improv Everywhere that's going to be doing something for us. Do you know them? Yes, I do. Awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> co- coming to you soon. Yeah, we're not going to tell you. The con- we certainly won't call tell you the concept, but there's going to be um, there's going to be some really cool things coming up that we're going to partner with them on. So that's super excited. Yeah. So what do you love most about New York State breweries and the beer scene? I think what's really great is to see the growth. And, and I think about, you know, I use you two as an example, you know. I mean, you're starting something new, you're starting something, and you're really passionate about it. And, and that speaks to what everybody's doing. You know, people who get into this business aren't getting into it to get rich. You know, they know that they're not going to be rich. But you know what? They love what they do. It's the passion behind the beer, and it's a passion behind what you do. And, and that's what I love about it. I love, I love seeing that. I love tasting that. I love being a part of that. And you guys are a great example of that. Thank awesome. you very much. Yes. I will say that I want to I go back to, to what you said. It's really about the quality of what's in the glass, though. Like you know, you can you can use New York State ingredients, you know, but that's the execution. It's about the ingenuity and, and the craftsmanship of the brewers that that happening, and, and people. The education is out there. We like we are we are brewing better brewers in in, in the country right now, or in the world right now, because the information is out there. And I think it's really awesome to see what's going on in today's today's festival. is kind of an example of that. Um, and uh, one of the things that uh, about New York State being having been in the past a, a big uh, agricultural uh, right. supplier of New York State or of, of hops in the United States. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of agricultural, big ag state. And getting back to that, and you guys do a lot of that with the Brewers Association as far as lobbying and getting getting these these things into play. So there are things like the Craft Act. 
Uh, what we is have the, a farm, farm brewing, brewing license. license. Yeah, so you know, what are these things? Yeah. So, so if you talk about the farm brewing license, which is a relatively new license, you know, really what it was is, you know, most people know that before Prohibition, New York State was the hop growers, I mean, the leading hop producing state in the entire country. We produced almost all of the hops in the country. I mean, that hops grow really well here. Um, so the farm. And we had more breweries. Yeah, we had more breweries, right? And so it was. I mean, we think we I think we were close to thirty thousand acres of hops. You know, in, in, in the state, we really and they were all hand picked, and, and it was a really a big industry. So if you think agriculturally, New York is really a great ag state. So with the farm brewing license, the whole idea was to bring that back. So farm brewing license right now is to, you know if you have a farm brewing license, you have twenty percent of all the ingredients you make have to be New York State grown. So. Um, so there's hops plants going in right now. It's perfect. You hear that? And that's like, uh, yeah, yeah, planting yeah. hops right now. Um, so, so it has to be 20% hops uh, in all their, or 20% ingredients grown in New York State. So what that is, is that's bringing industry back. So now we're at 2,500 acres of hops in New York State. Uh, we've got seven malt houses that are open. Um, we've got wolf harvesters that, you know, we've got all of, so we have new industry. We're growing new industry. And the beauty about craft beer is, is that I think from, it's not just the farm brewers that are buying local, it's all brewers. So it's a great marketing tool in a sense that it's like, oh, you know what? Um, Here's my beer, and it was grown by Joe, who lives up the road, who's, who's growing the hops, and you know, and, and Betty, who's growing them all. And people are like, "Oh, really?" And they can taste that, they can feel that. So it's a great tool. So that's the idea behind the farm brewing license and bringing agriculture back to what we used to own it. You know, New York State used to own it. Well, and brewing is intrinsically linked to agriculture and farming. It is. What are the four ingredients so, in beer? Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's an ag product. Yeah, it really absolutely. is an ag product. And it, you know, never really was the thing that was meant to travel too far. I mean, you know, thanks to modern technology, we're able to, right. to have stability levels that are way higher than they have been in the past. And so it's able to get further with, with maintaining that quality. Right. But still, it's to me, it's very much a regional project and or, 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 or uh, production. It is. I mean, you think about it this way. I mean, the way I like to think about it is that, you know, we, I think Americans are brewing the best beer in the world. That, that we used to be the laughing stock yeah. not too yeah. long yep. ago, right? Absolutely. But we're very European in the sense that if you go to Europe, there's a brewery in every town. Yeah. And so we're really following yeah. their model. I mean, they led the way. Yeah. We're following their lead. That's not to put down their beer right. uh, at all. Really, what we've taken is all the greatness that, that they brought over here and, and we're, tradition, and we're, and, tradition right? I mean, and we're turning it into our own. And so, you know, New York State, I mean, a third of Brooklyn breweries business is export. Think about that. Yeah. You know, uh, think about all the breweries that are opening. They want our beer, you know, over there. And they want our no-nonsense, as you know. You know, I mean, brewers would be like, oh, look, at there's roadkill there. Let's see. Well, that tastes good in a beer. I mean, we'll try anything. <laughs> you know, I mean, we really will try anything. You know, no, it doesn't taste good. Great. Let's move on to something else. Grass? I don't care what it is, you know. What's new? As long as we stop it before we serve it, right? You know, right. Failed, failed experiment. Right. There's or, no boundaries to what we do. We're not. Yeah. We're not held to centuries. We're creating our own path exactly. right now. It's very exciting. And I think that's particularly true in New York State. Is that we have a wide range of diversity, and I think right. some of it is fueled by the farm brewing license. Right. But I mean, we have people doing farmhouse style ales, like traditional loggers, mm -hmm. everything. So I, I think it's funny when we when you talk. You know, Danielle said earlier the Think New York, Drink New York campaign. Um, it's a challenge, and, and we talked about this extensively. 
New York is extremely diverse. Yeah. You know, I mean, New York City is New York City. It's different than Buffalo or Rochester or Albany or Syracuse or even Long Island. Everybody's got an attitude of some sort, and their beer reflects that yeah. attitude. So diversity could be a bad thing if you think about it. It's like, wow, the beers are all over the place. No, it's a good thing yeah. in New York well, State because, you know, everywhere you have a beer in upstate New York, the Buffalo, the, the brewers in Buffalo are going to be influenced by what they know. Mm-hmm. The brewers in New York City are going to be influenced by what they know. And all their beers are going to be uniquely wonderful in that way. Yep. Absolutely. absolutely right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Thanks, Paul. Sure. Thanks, Danielle. Danielle. Thank, awesome. you so much. thank you. Yeah. yeah. Cheers. Think you New York, drink awesome. New York. Think NY, drink NY. Think NY, drink NY. Yep. yep. Uh, and uh, thanks for listening to Fermentabout. About It. Fermentabout About It. Fermentabout About It. Fermentabout Fermentabout about it. it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, you guys. Hey, this is Chris Kuzmi. And Mary Isaac. With Fermentabout About It. On Network.org. We're here at Kegan Lantern Brewing Company in Greenpoint neighborhood of Brooklyn with PJ Allen, the head brewer. Hey, PJ. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Happy New York City Beer Week. (laughs) Yes, you too. It's been fun so far. So you're one of the newer brewers on the block, I'd say. I mean, we've had a huge amount of openings. So when did you start brewing here as a... When did the brewery open here, I guess? Uh, the brewery opened about seven months ago, and the bar's been here for six years, so it's a new, uh, it's a new operation inside an existing one. What was kind of the process that led up to them deciding to, you know, install a brewery? And uh, the, There was some extra space in the basement, and it already being a nice craft beer bar, the owner saw the opportunity to uh, utilize that space and put a brewery in. Um, so we managed to fit a three-barrel brewery, with eight fermenters and ten bright tanks that we're, we're are serving the bar from. Awesome. You served at your first beer festival over the weekend as part of New York City Beer Week. What did you serve and what was that like? Um, it was exciting, yeah. The, like you said, it was the first festival we've done. Um, we had a keg of our Atlantic lager, which is a Vienna-style lager. Um, we're also pouring a black IPA um, called Twilight, 8%. Um, we also had a cask of our heavy-handed double IPA. Um, Delicious. It was it was really nice being able to have uh, face-to-face contact with the the people drinking you know the beer that I spent all this time in a basement making. <laughs> um, you know the bartenders are usually the face of face of the beer at the brew pub, and being at the festival and being able to talk to you know um, the consumer face-to-face was really nice. And I think a lot of people don't know that the like breweries and brew pubs exist in New York City so I'm sure you you know kind of a lot of people didn't weren't probably even aware of Keg and Lantern especially if they live in another borough and don't come to Brooklyn yeah, did you get good feedback or definitely and there was there was a lot of people that had never heard of us before and um, I, you know that's why people were interested in coming to yeah. see us um, so in that way the event is also nice just to be able to get your name out there a little bit um and, yeah, we had a lot of people that said they're going to come visit the brew pub from that. So um, I, I expect to see them yeah. soon. Yeah, well, and you're easily accessible from the train. Yes. Plus, I mean, Greenpoint has kind of become this little hotbed of, you know, brew pubs, brewery restaurants, and, and excellent craft beer bars as well. So, you know, I think that people can come to this neighborhood and really have We have the whole pub crawl, brewery crawl Definitely. Between here. Brooklyn Brewery, Dirk the Norseman, Greenpoint Beer and Ale Works, um, Keg and Lantern, um, you'll probably stop at Tourist and then you'll walk uh, north and end up in Long Island City and then you're at Transmitter and uh, Big Alice and, you know. Um, it's a great brewery trail. Yeah, yeah, Rockaway, yeah. yeah. Uh, and this is New York City Brewery, and you guys are having an event on Wednesday. Uh, at what, what We're doing, um, just tapping a couple special casts that I've been uh, 
the one of them being the blue collar porter. It's a robust porter that we put coconut and cacao bean shells in the cask, and the other one is our heavy handed double IPA with citra in the cask. And you have you pretty much always have a cask on here, correct? Yes, we're one of three New York City bars with the cask mark, um, which Alex Hall is um, sort of tests you on uh, aroma, appearance, flavor, and temperature. Um, so we did one of the things is that you always have to have a cask on, and um, you know we pride ourselves in that we we serve good cask beer. That's cool. What's the what's kind of been your or what is your approach to doing a cask beer? Uh, until we started brewing here, we were getting you know uh, other local breweries like Kelso, Captain Lawrence, and they were sending us casks. And now that we have the brewery, we're making the casks ourselves. Um, been using it mostly as experimentation. Because we are just using a five-gallon pin, um, I can sort of experiment with flavors that I don't want to test on a whole on a whole batch. Um, but then also, um, we have a bitter on tap right now, and I, you know, you have to fill a couple casts of a bitter because you know <laughs> it's, it's tradition. tradition. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, PJ, or also known as PJ, uh, PJ Patrick, we're going to have you on at another future episode of Men About It, where we can get really deep up in it, um, and I'm very excited to do that. Yeah. Sounds where's great. Where's Kagan Lantern, and how can we find out more? Uh, 97 Nassau Avenue in Greenpoint, um, right off of the Nassau Avenue G train. And you can go to keganlantern.com for you know more information about our beers. Right on. Happy New York City Beer Week. Yeah. yeah so too. mad about it. For men about it on heritageradionetwork.org brought to you by underground meats undergroundmeats.com This is Brandon Hoy, co-owner of Roberta's, and you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Welcome what? back to Fomenta About, about it. it on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. So we've got to give big props to Transmitter Brewing in Long Island City. We are yep. drinking their NY1 Saison Ale. It's a 100% New York farmhouse ale. It's part of the Smash State Malt and Stay Pop series good job guys it's we're enjoying it delicious really nice big bready malty uh with a great farmhouse uh, a fun fun funk to it uh, really dry absolutely so back to our uh, special episode hey this is chris kuzby and mary isaac on fun and this is car chat with jonathan moxie of perennial artisanal hills <laughs> hey how's it going everybody <laughs> <laughs> so we're driving, well, Chris is driving through Greenpoint. I'm holding the phone as appropriate to the New York State laws. And we're headed, we just got <laughs> left uh, Keg and Lantern, where Patrick, uh, Patrick, a.k.a. PJ Allen, is the uh, brewer. And we're headed to Greenpoint's other brewery restaurant, 
Dirk, Dirk the, the Norseman, Norseman uh, otherwise known as Greenpoint Beer and Ale Works, is the the brewery behind that. And then Dirk the Dirk the Norseman is the bar restaurant. Just Greenpoint Beer and Ale. Green. Sorry, Greenpoint Beer. <laughs> it's going very well. Yes, excellent. <laughs> but the focus of right now is car chat with Jonathan Moxie. Jonathan Moxie, why are you here? I am here for New York City Craft Beer Week. <laughs> and that's what he has to say about that. <laughs> All right, so let's give you a little bit of background on Mr. Moxie. So we've known Moxie for several years now. You started out as a home brewer in New York City. Yep, New York City Home Brewers Guild. Uh, proud secretary. Madam secretary. It's great to be back in New York. New York is one of the first uh, markets outside of Missouri that Perennial expanded to. I personally have a lot of history here, as you mentioned, and so it's it's good to be back and... Uh, you know, having a good time with you. So tell us what you do at, at Perennial. I'm uh, I'm one of the brewers there. I do a lot of, uh, you know, the day-to-day brewing as well as recipe development and uh, education for the staff, that sort of thing. Cool. Now, earlier when we were hanging out in Kangang Landed, you mentioned a special project that to me sounds very challenging. So you're doing a cocktail-inspired beer project. Yeah, so our Dealer's Choice series, every year we pair up with a different cocktail bar in one of our markets. Uh, they pick out a cocktail and then we will, uh, I will create a recipe that uh, is intended to mimic that beer. So this year we're paired up with the Jack Rose Dining Saloon in Washington, D.C. And uh, we're going to be doing the Jack Rose Cocktail, which is a, uh, a cocktail of apple jack, lime juice, and grenadine. So uh, you know, a little acidity. Uh, a lot of you know, really nice boozy apple in there, and uh, some uh, pomegranate to kind of round things out. Well, cool. and tell us about what you did for that project last year because it sounded awesome. So last year we paired up with the Aviary in Chicago, and the cocktail was called the Last Word. So uh, the Last Word is a gin drink with uh, you know also some lime juice and some uh, other herbal uh, liqueur in there, chartreuse, and so to kind of uh, get a beer that suggested that. We did a, a tart blonde ale that was uh, soured in the fermenter before boiling, and then uh, we add uh, key lime juice, wintergreen, and wormwood. So it's like this really bright, uh, citrusy blonde ale that has a uh, kind of an herbal kick there at the end from the wintergreen and the wormwood. You have five days in New York City this week. What are you looking forward to this week as far as New York City Beer Week and then just being back in New York? For Beer Week, you know, like we've got a, a bunch of killer events lined up tonight. We're starting things off at the Jeffrey at 7 p.m. with uh, Scott Carey from Sump Coffee. Scott does all the uh, coffee selection and roasting. Uh, we collaborate with him on our uh, uh, Sump Coffee Stout. So we're going to be doing a, a beer and uh, coffee blending session. We've got several different uh, stouts on tap. We've got our, our base stout as well as uh, Sump and Abraxas and a, uh, an oatmeal stout that I did. So people will be able to try a couple of different coffees in the stout and just see how those uh, the beer and the coffee work together. Uh, tomorrow night, the good people at Brewer's Choice were uh, kind enough to let some uh, out-of-staters crash the New York party. And so we're going to be there with them uh, serving up some beer and having a good time seeing people we haven't seen in a while. Uh, Wednesday night, we're at Clinton Hall. We've got 12 lines on draft starting at uh, 7 or 6, 6 or 7. And then uh, Thursday night is an event I'm very excited about. Our friends at Bar Great Harry, we're doing a barrel-aged sour night. So we've got uh, 
four different beers that rarely make it outside of our tasting room and are, uh, I can't think of another time they've ever been seen together. So some good barrel-aged sour and funk to uh, kind of round things out for us. Uh, as far as what I'm really looking forward to is just going around like we're doing right now and checking out all of these uh, new uh, breweries and brew pubs that are popping up all over New York City. There's a lot of uh, really exciting stuff going in, on here in the five boroughs and looking forward to checking that out. We're happy to have you here. Yep. Stay tuned for another episode of Car Chat with Jonathan Moxie. On Fomentabout Fomen Fomen about Fomen about about it. it. We're here uh, at Dirk the Norseman uh, slash Greenpoint Beer and Ales with Chris Prout at Brewer. And also sitting at the table is Jonathan Moxie joining us from St. Louis, Missouri. Perennial Ales. Uh, Chris, yes. happy New York City Beer Week. Happy New York City Beer Week to everyone. <laughs> to everyone. Cheers. It's like Christmas here. <laughs> so let's start with what we're drinking. So we're drinking the Bowery. That's I correct. I first had this at the New York City opening uh, bash festival, which was on Saturday. You were pouring mm -hmm. it downstairs. So tell us a little bit about this beer. So we're using all uh, Valley Malt in this beer. We have uh, malted wheat. We have the Vienna Malt as well as the Pale Ale Malt and the Amber Rye. Uh, we, we've taken that that base malt. There was a lot of a lot of the other brewers are, are using as well uh, for the smash beer. The two, uh, the base two row. The base, mm -hmm. the base two row. And we've we've kettle soured that that wort in the kettle for about three days. Uh, we pitched in grain from Valley Malt as well into the kettle, which has lactobacillus that lives on it naturally, and that uh, produces lactic acid in the kettle. Uh, like I said, it usually takes about anywhere from two to six days. This was in for three days. Uh, we, we, after three days, we took the grain out. We boiled the wort to kill off the lactic acid or lactobacillus arrest, arrest activity and fermented as usual uh, with the Saison and Brett strain, uh, or two Brett strains that I'm not sure which ones they are. Uh, about a day and a half in the fermentation, we put in some New York State apples from Soon's Orchard. There was some stamen wine sap, Esipus Spitzenberg, uh, Ashmead's Colonel, a little, uh, a little bit of Newtown Pippin, and mostly stamen wine sap though. Uh, so nice, like, tart, heirloom it is. apple It's juice. sort of, yeah, a little bit acidic, but, but not too much uh, dry cider-like uh, character coming from the apples. And you guys used Joy and Jeremy's Press to do that? That's correct. Cool. Yeah, Joey and Jeremy of Proper Cider. Yeah, proper cider. who we've had on the show before and recently did a sure. demo with their hydro they have that hydraulic press, right? Is that they what do. You guys use? They actually oh. have two hydraulic yeah. presses now, <laughs> and they have a, a enormous macerator, which can get through a bushel of apples in about two minutes. Awesome. So, did you guys? Did they bring that here, or how that? They brought out? it up here. We awesome. had our electrician put a special plug in uh, up front so we could macerate outside, and then we carted uh, all the apples around to the garage and pressed them in there and had a great time. It, it's, and you guys pressed them the day that you added them? We didn't. We pressed them and then we, we kegged the juice Okay. and we put it in the cold room until we got to the beer, which is about, we brewed the beer four days later. Okay. Well, the beer was, the wort was produced and then we, uh, the wort was in the kettle, pressed the apples that weekend, boiled on Tuesday put the apples in on Thursday. So the, the apple juice stayed in the kegs cold for about four or five days before we brought them out of the cooler and warmed them up to go into fermentation. Cool. 
And this resulted in, so what ABV is this, do you know? It's 5.9%. It's a beautiful beer. Yeah, yeah it lovely. is. Yeah. yeah, I love it because it's got a nice tartness on the front, and then you get like the you get that clean like maltiness backbone to it, mm -hmm. and then you actually get that kind of like tart cider at the end, like dry, you know, as yeah. So. Yeah, thanks. You I served it. I think what's most surprising to me is just the amount of body that you have there. You know, like it's it's nice, and you know, it's it's got a, a good full mouthfeel before it finishes, mm -hmm. really nice and dry. Absolutely. You'd think that the cider would dry it out a little bit more, but it doesn't. It's wonderful. Nice. Yeah, we, we mashed high, thinking that you know we would we'd have a little bit of residual sugar left and a little bit more body uh, in the beer, knowing that you know cider has simple sugars in it that will ferment out readily. So you first served this at the opening bash. Is that true? Yeah. Uh, New York City Brewers Guild. New City Beer Week. We did. We, we we have the beer available all week here at our bar in front of the brewery, uh, Dirk the Norseman. Uh, but yeah, that was that was when we served it outside of this uh, the brewery area. Yeah. Do you serve a lot of beer outside of the brewery? Area? We we brewery send out area? about half of what we make. So okay. we, we sell about half of what we make here at the brew pub, and then we distribute half, which is about twenty four to thirty kegs a week. Right on. What other events are you involved in during Beer Week? Uh, well, tonight at Mother's in Williamsburg, we have three beers. The uh, V-Dub, which is a Vienna Waimea smash beer. The other kind of smash beer, which is single malt and single hop. <laughs> yep. Uh, we've got our flannel shirt, which is a, a red IPA inspired by the Pacific Northwest IPAs. And we have the uh, Yes, No, Maybe, which is our cherry chocolate milk stout, which we add cherries to and fine and raw. Cocoa nips. Oh, which is that. which yeah. is a local chocolatier based in uh, well, actually, I guess Bushwick, right? Right. Yep. yep. Right around the block from right here at Roberta's, yeah. and by here I mean wherever we're this near yeah. from. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you guys are also doing a special project where you're releasing a unique beer every day. Here, we are. Correct? Yeah, we have a we have a handful. We we brew all kinds of beers. So, it, like I, I tell people, you know, we brew over 80 beers in the past year, different beers. So we have, you know, we have 10 taps here that are ours, but we have more than 10 beers back in the hold room that we brew. We probably have about 25 to 30. So a lot of those hadn't seen the light of day yet. A lot of, you know, tonight's Maybach, uh, which is something we brewed for May, but I'm itching to get into it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. And then you've been doing a lot of stuff with Britannomyces. We have. We, we've done 100% uh, Britannomyces fermentations. Mostly with the uh, C strain, Clasini, and it, they're, they're working out for us. Uh, I was I was fairly surprised. We're, all, we're also barrel aging some beers with Britannomyces, but yeah, it's it's sort of a different beast altogether. It's it's uh, and the flavors you get from it are, are what I think are, are pretty unique and and interesting overall. What's kind of your approach now that you've been working with Brett for a while? I mean, are there certain kind of parameters that you know to brew with? Are there things that you're experimenting with as far as, you know, temperature or or any kind of other factors that, you know, that you've kind of been playing definitely. with and I mean, refining? I'm, I'm inspired by the American Sours book by uh, Michael Tonsmeer. Yeah. Uh, he has a lot of great information in that book about fermentation temperatures. And that's where the idea for the Brett C, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you see a lot of people using the Brux and the Trois, uh, which I love, but you don't see a lot of people using primary uh, with Brett C, which is 
appealing to me because I, I want to understand what that yeast does as well as uh, try a few different things. So we ferment around 72 to 80 degrees with that string, uh, and it gives us a peachy, uh, sort of orange pithy sandiness. You know, it's, it's sort of, and it really plays well with fruitier hops, uh, which are, you see a lot of nowadays, uh, as well as a, a sort of lighter malt bill as well. So what, what uh, beers do you think you found the most success in, or your, your kind of favorites for, for doing 100% Brett Z? I mean, you uh, mentioned the fruitier hops, so... Sure. Uh, well, we've done a pale ale. We've done, we've done kettle sours with Brett Z as well, and I think... That Acidifus... Acidifus Nelson yeah. was really... Delicious. ...something that, that worked <laughs> out for us. And, and we, so, talk, so this Acidifus Nelson, you also were pouring, you had growlers of that. We had that mm-hmm. at, a, at a dinner at Browery Lane, which is kind of mm-hmm. a sister bar, um, at a, this great uh, local beer dinner that mm-hmm. you were at uh, about a month or so ago. So that was the first time we had that. I thought it was absolutely beautiful. First of all, I'm a huge Nelson Savin fan. Mm-hmm. But then you were also pouring it out of growlers at the uh, opening bash. So tell us a little bit about that beer, because it's pretty unique. It's a sort of built on a, on a rustic grain bill of, of uh, spelt unmalted oats, unmalted wheat, and pilsner. Uh, and that's that's sort of to hold up to the to the kettle sour technique, give it a little bit more body as it, as it moves through the process. Uh, so pretty pretty light base malts. I don't think we have any specialty malts in there. It's, it's mostly base grain. And then we, we actually kettle soured that one for, I think, six days. And after we kettle soured it, we... We hop bursted it. We use a lot of late edition hops so that we don't get a lot of bitterness and more flavor. And then we fermented with Brett C, which extended, uh, accentuated that that fruity character as well. So it's uh, I haven't I haven't really figured out why this is yet, but it, but I've found that pH and acidity with fruity hops really makes them pop. They they really jump out. And Nelson Savannah is, is one of my favorite hops as well. I can't I have a hard time not putting it in every beer. <laughs> <laughs> but it's tough to find too, so yeah. it's I have to wean myself sometimes off of it. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you what are you most looking forward to? I mean it's, you've already done the opening bash, you also participated in Brunity, which is a homebrew event, so you came right. from a homebrewing background and sure. and you and your wife, lovely wife Lee, that yep. was her first kind of homebrew. It, it was her first beer. She made a grisette, which is one of the beers that we drank a lot of at home, uh, made a lot of at home, along with the English bitter. Those were our go go to beers. I like the bitter, she liked the grisettes. Yeah, she she's involved now. We she did a uh, a, a, a grisette with uh, Emmer. Pilsner, and she she did uh, a mixed fermentation with the Belgian yeast strain and, and Brett Rux as well, and it turned out really nice. It was it was soft it's and beautiful. Yeah. And then what else are you looking forward to for New York New York uh, City Beer Week? Are we going to see you tomorrow? At the Brewer's the Choice is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I can't wait to try all the different smash beers that, that a lot of the uh, other breweries made. Uh, I think it's really interesting to, to have that mix of of using the same ingredients and uh, getting all the, the different techniques and, and exploring those different styles that, that people are making uh, with the same ingredients. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to uh, a couple of events we have here. Uh, 
you know, we're, we're breaking out some barrel beers, which we haven't really tasted a lot of, so it's, <laughs> we're sort of looking forward to those. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to Perennial's event, of course, on Thursday. That's going to be fun. Some barrel beers, sours. So you're hoping to get out and taste as well, you know, taste kind of the, the there, fruits of other yeah, people's th- labor as well as... I, I am. Uh, I think it's it's it really highlights what New York is, is now as far as the beer scene. I think it's continuing to grow uh, you know, and be great. You know, there's a lot of interesting beers that are, that are really being made now. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. It's never been better to be a New York City consumer. Yep, New York beer. State consumer. Come New York on. State, yeah. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chris. Yeah. Thank you, guys. For mad about it. Welcome back to Car Chat with Jonathan Moxie on Fomet About It. Hey, over here. We had, actually had a really great conversation on the way over to Browery Lane, and I did an incredible parking job uh, that Mary was very impressed with, thought it was the best textbook. on radio, but textbook, but it didn't actually make it in. Uh, due to technical difficulties, we're going to have that conversation again. What were we talking about? Oh. We were talking about the, uh, the, the blooming craft beer scene here at the, uh, at the brew pub level. At the brew pub level, and we had a couple different conversations while we were at Dirk the Norseman, uh, and and there were that was to a couple different reasons. We all had different opinions on that. And Jonathan Moxie, what do you think about that? Well, I, I think it's just really amazing what's going on here in New York City right now. Things that couldn't have been going on a couple of years ago, like these uh, small brew pubs, are, are no longer seemingly restricted by uh, you know. High prices of uh, real estate and and startup costs, etc. Like they're opening up and they're doing exciting things, you know, whether they be uh, traditional or more uh, adventurous. And I think it's really cool. It's fantastic, and, and you're very very right. The, a lot of the cost prohibitive uh, situations, what we used to see in New York, uh, kind of prevented people from from getting things done. It took uh, some some kind of pioneers. Five Hundred Eight is actually one of the new new places that kind of did that. And now Keg and Lantern that we saw earlier today are, are some new people kind of fitting a lot of stuff into small spaces. But still, the production is not very very big. There's not a whole lot, and the margin is not great on beer. But it's still sustainable within those small little confines. The uh, the uh, the, the new places that are popping up are got popping into areas that are that are in between uh, hip and desirable uh, and uh, just fledging. Yeah, I mean, you look at a place like Dirk the Norseman right here on the you know the edge of Williamsburg and, and Greenpoint, and you know they've got a great big beautiful space, and they're doing some really cool beer. And I think one of the things that uh, you know makes that happen or, or makes that possible rather is you know they, they've moved into this neighborhood that you know a few years ago people you know you know people have lived there for years but new people young people may not have necessarily been uh, moving into there and now um, they are and enough to, so to support a small business like that and yet the you know the real estate machine has not uh grown to the point where it's uh, cost prohibitive again to uh, to move into somewhere like that. And the audience and the quality of the liquid, all of that has uh, come into play. Uh, people are ready for these great, these different beers. They're ready for diversity. The New York City scene is incredible right now. Uh, the diversity of liquids that's being produced in New York City is, is very different. Exactly. People are thirsty for new flavors, you know, and, and more than anything, I think they're ready to support local. You know, like they, they want something that is specific to 
where they're at, and that's what you're seeing, you know, especially somewhere like Dirk the Norseman, where they're brewing a lot of beers with all uh, New York State and, and uh, Northeast Grown Malt, uh, New York State Apples. Uh, they're doing a lot of really cool stuff there with local ingredients, which allows people to kind of plug in in that way. And uh, I brought it up uh, on, the, on the conversation that's lost. This is in no small part due to, uh, you know, contributions such as what you used to do for local periodicals. Well, <laughs> and, and, and again, I, I, I don't think... I, I, I think it's a uh, I think it's a stretch to say that I'm even indirectly responsible I think I, I disagree. <laughs> for, for any of that. But you know, like I think what you see here in New York is there's these pa- uh, pockets of passionate people. Uh, you know, like myself at one point where you know I, I moved up here to New York. I knew I didn't want to be doing what I was doing, and I was I was looking for what it was that you know I wanted to make a life out of and vocationally that was brewing beer and so once I figured out that like hey I kind of like this beer brewing thing let's go check that out I was able to immediately find this group of people you know of all ages you know people that have been doing it for 30 years and people that have been doing it for 30 days and immediately plug in with them and learn and get feedback and grow and you know have a good time yeah, there were the, yeah there was there was so much to do and it was very readily accessible. You know, like it was New York is an incubator for so many things and, and craft brewing I think is just one of them. And the, well, and if you can learn to brew in New York City, you can brew anywhere. That's right. You know, like you see all these people and you know they're making uh, three, one, five gallon batches of beer on their stoves at home in their basement in their backyard, and a lot of that you know you'll see translated into places like Kagan Leonard, you know, where he's making three barrels of beer at a time on an electric system in a basement. It's certainly not the traditional model for even a, a brew pub. Right. But he, he's made it work in the space that he's in, and he's turning out some killer beer. Yep. And that passion... Uh, you know, I love the I love the word passion. There's a lot, but giant appreciation for the passion. It doesn't always make good liquid. Just being passionate about something doesn't make the best music all the time. But uh, but actually, there's a great balance between uh, the education and the passion of, of of for the science behind the Zimmergy, not just the liquid and the, and the art and the craft that goes with it. Um, and some people fall into it. Like I said earlier, the uh, the uh, one of my favorite conversations with Garrett Oliver is how he talks and, and celebrates the fact that uh, it's a lot of people's kind of second job. Their life was going one way, then they kind of found this, or they found this art of Jimmy, this love, or, or Zimmergy, and, and found the love for, for making beer, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, you you, ha- you can't deny it. You have to go that way if, that, if that's what you're feeling, and that's what you did. What were you before a brewer, Jonathan Moxie? So I was doing editing and marketing uh, down in the financial district for a little company called Standard & Poor's, and, you know, that was... That, that little company? That, that was a little company, company, yeah. yeah. They, they've been in the news here lately. But, um... <laughs> You know, it, it was something after I graduated uh, journalism school, thinking I wanted to be a journalist. The journalism job market sucked long before the rest of the job market sucked. And you know, tied into that, I, I realized that I didn't have the fire in my belly to you know to be a good journalist. Uh, and I didn't want to wake up every day and go to the work being a, uh, a shitty journalist. So it was uh, using this skill set to make a living. You know, put some food on the table where I figured out what it was that I did want to do which was brewing beer. Right on. 
Well, uh, we are just about to your subway stop, my friend. Uh, enjoy your event tonight. How's at- that for a transition? How's that for a transition? <laughs> <laughs> Get out of my car. Foment about it. Thanks for it. listening to Car Chat with Jonathan Moxia Perennial on Foment About It. listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.